You know what's going on, y'all. It's your boy So So. In case you ain't no so, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, we bring you the instant reaction to the Heat's first two playoff games versus the Knicks. The Panthers survive the Boston Bruins and get a big win in Toronto. The Marlins get another series victory heading above 500. And we bring you the rest of the weekend in sports. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Tough game, dog. Tough game. Today was a tough game, man. Um, but you know what? It was a it was a dope, dope weekend, right? Action packed weekend, and there's been a, a lot happening since we've been able to get together, big dog. Yeah, uh, South Florida has been on fire the last yeah. couple of days. A lot of a lot of good fire. A lot of good, you know. Yeah, we've, right. We we've been bringing the heat, so to speak. We've been bringing the heat, man. And um, our sports teams have definitely made it something to enjoy. Right. Even, uh, you know, when things don't look as promising as they could be. But we've we've gotten a lot of joy from these from these teams down here in South Florida, man. They've been really, you know, giving the fans their money worth for sure, for sure. And uh, you know what? We got to start with the heat. Right. Uh, I got my sports with so-so hardwood background. Um, You know, they, they have that that huge upset series win over the Bucks. And heading into game one against the Knicks, it was like, well, you know, what are, are he going to be able to con- continue this momentum? And they did, man. They 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 actually went out there and got a huge win while I was in Brazil um, Sunday. You know, I, I know yeah, you were watching the game here uh, and a lot of, as uh, the rest of the Heat fans were. But, you know, the, the, the biggest takeaway for me in that game, right, is not only the continuance of Jimmy Butler being Jimmy Butler, right? It's more the fact that this dude just finds ways to to perform even when he's not playing his best or he's hurt or he's, you know, the game's out of rhythm, whatever the case may be. When it, when it comes to the playoffs, this dude really knows how to turn up and uh, he really helped that he get a, a big victory in game one, 108 to 101. Uh, we actually won another fourth quarter. I think this is the third or fourth fourth quarter that the Heat have won in these playoffs. Uh, uh, you know, a couple against the Bucks and now against the the Knicks. I don't know, man. I, I was after we beat the Bucks, I kind of felt very confident about this Knicks series, right? Um, we had. I mean, you the- have to. You have to feel confident. Jimmy Butler puts up ninety seven points in the final two games of the series to close out the Bucks. I mean, fifty six in that game yeah. five. Yep. Uh, it was just absolutely unreal what, what he was able to do. And that's the reason we have that confidence now going forward. I mean, we, I, I didn't have it. I know I speak, I can't speak for everybody, but I didn't have that confidence in this team going into the postseason because this season, if you followed along wherever you could, damn you, Bally's, um, <laughs> you know, you, you saw a team that was very inconsistent where it really wasn't even streaky, you know, like good streaks or bad streak. It was just kind of like, all over the place, just really couldn't carve them out. You know, when we needed to certain opponents, we, we should have dominated, <laughs> excuse me, we couldn't close out. And now we get into the, the postseason and Jimmy Butler is, is Hemi Butler. And uh, we saw that in game one against the Knicks. Um, yeah. But we also saw what we were missing in game two. Now credit to the credit to the boys, hell of a game by coach Spo and the gang. Um, they played their hearts out out there with no Jimmy Butler. 
Um, and they had their full squad. I repeat, they had their full squad, full squad. including Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, who put up 30 points on us here in game two. 23 um, in the second half. Huge, yeah. Um, but Jimmy didn't get to play, and that's where we missed the most was in crunch time at the end of the game. You know, when we were, you know, they got the lead back. It was a, a couple, you know, a few seconds left, not a lot of time left. And we, we really missed Jimmy there in that moment. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the the way that the game started out, you kind of felt like, all right, the team knows that this is going to have to be a team effort in order to get this victory on the road, right? To get the back-to-back victories in New York. Um, not an easy thing to do, right? Especially when you're facing a full uh, Knicks squad that has their main engine, which is Brunson. He makes everything go for those Knicks in play. But, you know, he came out strong, man. You had a really good performance by Caleb Martin. Uh, he's one of the guys that have been consistent throughout this entire season for the Heat, right? We've, we've applauded him and his efforts uh, mostly on the defensive side and, and and today he gave, he put it up on the offensive side as well. Yeah, you he know? took a mean spill into the into the Knicks uh, In bench the area. Yeah, man, and uh, he was kind of holding his back and stuff, so hopefully he's alright. Yeah, Struz too, he had a back injury and he stepped out in the third quarter, came back. Uh, but, you know, in the first quarter, you know, both teams hit a lot of threes. And then, and I kind of felt like that was going to be the rest of the story for the game. And it kind of was, right? Because even as Absolutely. we got into, into the second quarter, there was a lot of good rebounding. But, you know, Barrett was hitting threes. Randall was hitting threes. He got fouled on a three-point attempt. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the game plan for both of these teams, weirdly enough, was to shoot more threes, right? Uh, and we know that the Knicks struggled shooting threes in game one. Uh, Brunson was 0 for 7, I think. Uh, RJ Barrett was like 0 for 5. Uh, so you knew that they were going to come out and shoot a little bit better. But even with all that, right, with the Knicks hitting the three ball and getting, you know, 19 from Barrett in the half and and, and Randall putting up 16 in the half, they still controlled the game. They were up 53, 54 to 51, um, you know, like I said, it was a team effort in that first half. We only had one guy in double figures, which was Caleb Martin. Uh, he had, like, I believe, 11 or 12 at the half. Uh, well, and the Heat shot better from three-point line. So it, it was kind of leading in the direction that the Heat wanted it to go to. And even in the third quarter, you know, the, the Heat ended the third quarter in the 77-76. Uh, but they, they didn't attack the free throw line, right? They had their big men in trouble, um, Robinson, Mitchell Robinson and uh, Hardenstein. Uh, both of those guys had foul trouble in the second half, and I felt like we didn't go at them enough, right? And you can tell in the in the amount of free throw shots that they had versus what we had in the game. Um, it kind of just, I don't want to say gave them extra points. It obviously did, but when you only shoot 17 free throws and they shoot uh, 21 of 30, you kind of gave up a lot of extra points there, which obviously kind of came up in the end as the Heat lose one eleven to one hundred five. I mean, that, uh, that's that's another reason where we where we miss Jimmy. You know, right there, yeah. you just look at the free throw stat line, and it, it wasn't where we are normally. And Jimmy's the bulk of that. So it, you do that, you know, you control the game, you control the tempo of the game, you're able to slow things down, control the clock, control the game, uh, especially down the stretch when you need to the most. You know. Yeah, we weren't able to do that, especially with a couple, you know, bad calls there that, you know, at the end of the game. Let's talk uh, about that. There was one uh, just in, in particular where we got off the shot right before the 24 seconds, so they didn't call a violation on it. It grazed the rim, and then Gabe Vincent grabbed it and put it back up. They waved it off. Yep. Um, they said it was an air ball. They said it didn't hit anything, and, and there was no replay or anything. No, and, and they didn't even let Spo challenge it. And he was. I didn't understand that. I saw him wait, like signaling and waving for it. I don't understand why they didn't let him do that. 
And it was weird because, like, it kind of, it, it, you know, it did suck the momentum out of the team. It totally did suck the momentum out of the team because the Knicks were able to come down. Brunson hit a shot, which kind of fueled him to hit another couple of three pointers to get the. the there was the one lead. of those Brunson shots I didn't agree with that it was the one on the foul uh, that uh, that Bam Bam kind of <laughs> bulldozed his way through to try to defend on it, and yeah. um, they ended up letting letting that that three point stand. That one happened uh, before the the gate the Caleb Martin uh, gave Vincent you know whole debacle, and and it was such a weird call because they did take the time out to review it. You know what I mean? Like they they went look at the tape and stuff like that, and they still gave him the three point shot and the foul. Um, and and that shit totally shifted the momentum towards the Knicks. The, it got the crowd into it. You know what I'm saying? Because the crowd was pretty much out of it. And and credit to the Heat for, for playing as hard as they did this game, really, because every time that the Knicks try to make a run or, or try to hit a big three or something like that, that he came back and got, you know, an answer for them every single time. Um, I, I do want to, you know, kind of shout out one more person who played really well today, uh, Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent had a hell of a fourth quarter. He hit some big shots. He also forced a lot of shots towards the end of the game, right? A couple of threes. I'm guessing that that was by design. Um, but that just leads to your point where we miss Jimmy down the stretch, right? In the last four minutes of the game where things need to be a little bit more precise, a little bit more well executed. He didn't have that that today. Um, no, but I, I will agree with you, man. We got to shout out. We got to shout out everybody, man. The, you know, the, the whole doghouse. Duncan. They stepped up. Even though we lost, you know, Duncan Robinson. You know, he stepped up, had a bunch of threes. Um, you had a guy, you know, Haywood Highsmith, which a lot yes. of people don't know. I had a lot of people asking today, like, who's this guy out there? And I was like, he's, he's on the team. He's been on the team for a little while. Um, he, he contributed. He was out there, you know, just a big body, getting some rebounds, some second chance points. Uh, Kevin Love, it Cody Zeller, defense. you know, uh, Cody Zeller got a new nickname, White Big Sloppy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, everybody was out there contributing, man. Everybody was out there moving, shaking again. I'm I'm not upset with this, you know, loss. A loss is upsetting, obviously, but right. the fact that they had their entire squad at home and they just barely beat us, you know, yeah, they, they ended up, you know, coming from behind. We had a lead and we we slipped, you know, we, we got slipped. we got they got away from us. We were missing our number one guy. Yeah. And I have no doubt in my mind, Jimmy Butler's in that game. We closed that game out. So for sure. For sure. Game five. And, and, game and, five. <laughs> He, yeah, it's looking it's looking very very favorable for the Heat, and you know I gotta do I gotta mention something. The Knicks ended that game on a twenty four to twelve run. That just shows you that once they got the momentum, they were able to keep it. And, and our execution or poor execution down the stretch led to them getting good shots and getting to the free throw lines and and offensive boards. We gotta we gotta definitely shot that out in the in the last three four minutes of the game. Uh, that dude Hardenstein killed us on the offensive board. He had three offensive boards. Back to back to back, um, the Heat went small versus their big lineup because their bigs had foul trouble. And we again, we couldn't take advantage of it, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, but you're right. You you have to feel good about this effort, right? When when you if if I were to tell you before the game, hey, you're gonna get to, you know, twenty points from not Bam and you know Kevin Love is gonna score less than ten points. You got, uh, you know, uh, Caleb Martin scoring 22 points. You got Gabe Vincent with 21 points and bam, just with 15 points. You know, this this was the game that we were hoping that he comes out a little bit more aggressive. And he did play this well. One, this game? Yeah. yeah, especially this game, right? No Jimmy, every no game, hero. Dog, every game, I'm expecting bam, especially in the postseason more than ever. I'm expecting I'm expecting bubble bam to be back. 
Yeah, and if you look at his stat line, it's it's not bad, right? He shot 50%, 5 of 10, made five free throws, eight rebounds, six assists. Uh, but those that point total, 15 points, I felt like he didn't do enough when he had the matchup that he could have gotten and just go for it. You know what I mean? Like, And I don't know if it's because he was trying to play more team ball, right? Or if he was just being a little bit hesitant. But whatever it is, like it's starting to get a little bit, not that it's starting, it is frustrating to to see Bam not be that guy for us when when we kind of need him to step up, right? Uh, but you know what? The Heat were playing with house money. Going up one zip in New York after Sunday was a huge advantage for us, right? Now we have, I think it's, what, three days before the next game? Next game is on Saturday. Saturday, man. Yeah. 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 You know, healthier Jimmy. You give time to Struess and, and, and Martin to kind of rest up and heal themselves up and, and, and go at it in game three at home, you know, 3.30 tip off. But this game particularly was rough, man. Did it's you say 3.30? Yeah. It's oh. a 3.30 start. There's 3.30 start on Saturday. I didn't know it was that early in the day. All right. Good to know. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's what I'm here for, dog. That's what um, you're here for. That's what I'm here for. But, you know, I, I just want to kind of emphasize that this this team effort that we got was really refreshing to see because if you insert a guy like Butler and the team gives you this type of effort, right, where all these guys are passing the ball, that's one thing that I noticed today. The ball movement on offense was on point. There was multiple, multiple possessions where we're just passing the ball around, finding an open shot, letting uh, Martin hit a shot, letting Gabe Vincent hit a shot, Strews hit a couple of big threes in the third quarter. Um yeah, I feel like that that's the key to this success because if not, when it comes down to the crunch time, Jimmy's going to take over. And if we get this effort in on game three on Saturday, then I don't think the Knicks stand a chance in that game because the, the Heat are going to feel like, man, we really do have control of this particular series and we can control, you know, our, our own destiny, which is super weird to say because of the way that the season started and kind of went. But you see now that if our main guys are healthy, right, and I, and I say our main guys not being our main players, but like our rotation guys, guys that we rely on for heavy minutes, 15, 20 minutes a game, right? Like uh, Kevin Love, you play 24. Strews plays 25 minutes. Duncan Robinson played 21 minutes. Kyle Lowry played 31 minutes. He had a rough, rough shooting dates, right? Um, if, if, if you're going to give those guys the amount of minutes and they're able to give you something, then, yeah, it just makes Jimmy's job a lot easier. And he's not going to have to go out there and score 50 points, right? Because he didn't have to even score 30 points to beat the Knicks on the first game. He only ended up uh, with 25 points that game. Let's see, man. Let's see what happens in game three. It's it's, it's going to be a huge game for the Heat, right? We've got to go out there. Um, it's going to be a sold-out game for sure. I'm hoping that everybody shows up you know, at least on time to, you know, you know how that he have that, that, that stigmata of always oh, not happening. Late. It's not happening. And it's 330, dog. It's not no, happening. For sure. But like, you gotta, you know, dog, one game, one game, show up one game early, dog. Come on, Heat fans, get it together. Probably midway through the second, dog. No, no, no. You'll see that arena full midway through the second quarter. For sure. And it's going to be rocking. <laughs> and, and I feel like we really do have a chance to take a hold of this series, go out there, win game three and, um, you know, just see what happens after that. I, I I don't feel too bad about this heat loss. You know, this this team was terrible on the road this season. Joel, Doug, we were 17 and 24. We were a terrible, 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 terrible road team. And these guys have been putting up excellent road performances, not only in Milwaukee. Right. And in, in New York, and even in the losses, right? Because even when we lost to Milwaukee, we still kind of showed up in that one game. Yeah. Uh, 
let's see, man. Game three is on Saturday, like I said, 3.30 ABC. Uh, and then Monday, it'll be at 7.30. Uh, we might be recording. We might not. We'll, we'll let you guys know. We'll keep you updated, man. Uh, but this is going to be part of the post-game show that we're putting up on our YouTube channel. Uh, every game, we're going to be bringing you this post-game reaction, whether it's me by myself, me with Joel, me with a guest. Uh, it's, it's always good to get the... The energy out immediately after the game and, and kind of share it with the rest of the Heat Nation, man. Sometimes it's pent up anger. Sometimes it's joy. You know, we'll, you're going to get a little bit of both with this Heat team. For sure. For sure. And we're used to that by now. We're used to that by now, man. Uh, but yeah, man, let's go Heat. They, they got a really good chance to get this game three and and make some noise in the playoffs, man. Continue to make some noise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. A uh, team that we definitely, definitely owe some type of respect to and apologies to is this Florida Panthers team, dog. Man. Vamos Gatos. Vamos Gatos. T- hashtag time to hunt. Bro, if a I... Team, it, a team we almost... you Some would say we wrote off. Not some. I would say we wrote them off. <laughs> we did, you know? And, and, you know, I just mentioned it to you before we started recording how, you know, the owner came out today on the radio and was like, man, you know, this team has has really survived the roughest of the roughest patch, right? They literally been in playoff mode for the last two months, fighting for their season, you know, fighting to get into the playoffs, fighting to stay in the playoffs, going down 3-1 against a, a Boston Bruins team that you and I know, and we're both not hockey guys, but these guys were out there breaking records, NHL records, most wins, points, goals, all types of shit. And the Panthers just went out there and didn't phase, like it didn't phase them at all. They went out there, came back in the series, one four to three in an overtime thriller uh shout out to carter Verhey. this this dude has been one of the best players that we've had this season on top of keith uh, uh matt matt kachuk it's just weird how this panthers team has been able to literally flip a switch since going down three one and find a new version of themselves because this is not the team that you and i saw this season bro no it's just it's it's so crazy the parallels between you know our our he and this panther team you know, the, the just the inconsistencies all season, a, a great team, you know, that has pretty much stayed the same for the most part uh, over the last couple seasons and 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 built off, you know, uh, developing players and things like that. And, and just being lackluster this whole season, not develop like I talked about earlier with the heat, you know, just not developing streaks and just not having, you know, uh, the enough close out close out games against big opponents, you know, that we should be beating whenever they're meaningful games as far as your standings and stuff like that. And now it's forget about it. Everything's out the window. When it's in the playoffs, it's playoff time, everything goes out the window that you know as far as you know records and all that stuff. It's all back to you know ground zero. Anybody can win. Yeah. And for sure. This Panther team figured something out. I don't know what it is. You know, we we've talked about what if there was the coaching, you know, the the play calling, the scheme. Maybe it, it wasn't any of that, you know, and maybe it was, but maybe it wasn't that. And they, these guys just needed this time to to really kind of go through it and and lose a few games and take a couple on the chin and then realize that their backs were against the wall and just play like they, they didn't have anything else to lose. And that's exactly how they're playing right now. And if you saw that game seven on Sunday, I mean, what a game. Yeah, what sure. a game that what was. What a game. What a game. And 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 I think the difference for this team was the defensive effort, you know, 
being put in by not only by the defenseman, but also the goalkeeping, man. Um, uh, Alex Lyon and, and Big Bob have played a huge role in this playoff push. They've been able to really keep the Panthers in games by keeping the scores low. Uh, you know, those 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 three straight games that they won against, you know, Boston, it was 4-3, 7-5, 4-3. And you're thinking to yourself, well, damn, Stephen, you just said that, you know, the, the goaltending was great. Yeah. That's because these guys are facing 50 shots a game. And if you're facing 40 to 50 shots a game and you're only, you're letting in three goals, that's a good number. You know what I mean? Because, again, we're, play, we're playing the best of the best right now in the Boston Bruins. Right. Go out there, beat them, right, to advance, to play the second best team in the NHL this season in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then not only that, but you go out there tonight and, and you get a 4-2 victory that was well-earned a well-earned 4-2 victory with another great defensive performance it just shows you that this Panthers team, when when they're clicking, they can be very dangerous because they do have the pieces. And that's something that you and I have talked about a bunch of times, right? You look up and down this roster, and it's kind of the opposite of the Heat roster, right? Where, where the Heat roster is probably top-heavy, this Panthers team is very well-balanced. Very well balanced. I would say they're deep. If you're talking, you know, perspective to to the Heat, I would say they're even deeper than than the Heat. You know, they have a superstar in in Kachuk, and they have a great supporting cast in Verhage and um, and Barkov and Montclair. And, and, you know, yeah, you name it. You got a bunch of guys out there. Um, But, um, yeah, 4-2 in this first game against Toronto. Um, You know, they were tied and they were able to break away. I think that fourth goal was an empty netter at the yes. know, towards the end of the game. They got a um, huge third goal in that. That third goal came in towards the end of the second period. I think it was about two minutes or less uh, left in the game. And Carter Verhage got a, a breakaway, passed it to Duclair. Duclair gave it right back to him. Perfect timing. He was able to break away and hit a beautiful wrist shot uh, to the goalie's left-hand side and beat him. And then once he beat him, and I, I think that the Panthers went into the locker room thinking, all right, guys, we got the momentum here on our side. Let's push. Let's, let's make it tough for Toronto to get any type of shots off. And they did. They buckled down on defense and, you know, kept it at a two-goal game for them. A huge, impressive win. Four straight wins now for the Panthers in the playoffs. That's wild. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta love it, man. And 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 then game seven, man. I can't. I gotta go back to that real quick, man. That game seven against the Bruins. You just can't count these Panthers out at this point. You cannot count them out, no matter what the situation is. Even if the situation is less than two minutes left in the game, and they're down one goal, they're gonna they're gonna hit that goal. They're gonna take <laughs> it to OT, and then they're gonna win in OT because that's what this team can do. They're the ha- hashtag cardiac cats. Cardiac cats, baby. This is this is the hottest team right now in the NHL. You guys got to you guys got to be tuning into these Panthers games right now if you're not on board already. Exactly, and, and don't give me that excuse of the heater playing. You have a phone, you have an iPad, you have make a laptop. You guys can make it happen. All right, follow and, along at some point. Yeah, man, and, and and check in on this Panthers team because it's like you said, Joel, dog. This is this has been one of the the hottest teams in the NHL for sure, and this has been one of the hottest teams that the Florida Panthers have had in a long time. Um, even with the success from last year, it wasn't like. In the when they got in the playoffs, that they were just dominant. No, I, it feels like they're they're really finding their strength now. Um, I got to give a big shout out to Carter Verhage. Not only did he score the go-ahead goal, but he also became the Panthers' all-time leading scorer in the playoffs. I think he has twelve or eleven all-time goals, which is amazing for a guy who hasn't even been here that long, right? To to perform at the highest level, which is the playoffs, for, w- with a line or within lines that are stacked with talents, right? We talk about uh, Barkov, you talk about Kachuk, like these are guys who are 
big, big names in the world of hockey. And this dude, Carter Verhage, is, is really holding it down for the Panthers, man. What about what about the defenseman that had the two goals in Game 7? Uh, was it Montour? Yes, Montour. He's a badass, man. He's Bro, a badass. He's a badass. So, so like, crazy. that the, the amount of speed that that puck gets off that guy's uh, stick, man. It's crazy. Dog, I, I, honestly, it's physically crazy because you're talking about a puck that's this size, weighs, you know, a good amount. And, and for a guy that he'd be able to hit that puck so hard with so much momentum to get the miles per hour up and, and just how and quick it happens. Dog. Yes. Like, it's so like, boom, boom. Like he realizes he's in the right place at the right time. And it's like, okay, pull the trigger. Whoop. And, and bro, it's just in a split second. It's just so happens so fast that even the goalie does not have the time to just kind of get it to the right place, man. And yeah. He, he was a recipient of a couple goals there that were real nice. And so shout out to him. Shout out to him, man. And, and that's Kachuk. You know, Kachuk had three assists in this first game, you know, against the Maples Leaves. This this dude has really taken on the role of being the leader, which is kind of refreshing to see somebody who just comes into a team this first season, had a big role in his previous team in Calgary, comes into this loaded Panthers team with the expectations after a big trade that we trade a, a Hubie and, and um, damn, the other guy escapes me right now. But, you know, you, you make the trade, you bring him in, here and and you don't know what to expect if he's going to be able to step up when when we need him to and all he's done is shown that not only is he a leader he's also very capable playmaker in crunch time and uh, i think that was an element that was definitely missing on this panthers team last year and the fact that they have it now and and they're able to go toe-to-toe with two of the best teams of the nhl in the boston bruins and toronto maple leaves might be something special cooking here for the panthers up one, up one is very, very nice. I, I mean, look at that. one, bro. Two eighth seeds going up one zero in their in their perspective matchups. How crazy wow. is that, Joel? Dog, like, and wow. again, because you know, you and we get to see it because we've been tracking these guys all season, and to kind of see these these guys have that success right now, it, it just makes me super happy for these guys. And it's like, why couldn't you guys do this throughout the season? Hey. But I'm glad you're doing it now instead. Great. They figured it out at the right time. They did, man. They did, man. They really did. So shout out to the to the Panthers, dog. They're 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 out there making it happen. Um, their next game, let's see. I believe it's Thursday. Yeah, it's gonna be Thursday in Toronto. Um, one thing I did find out about this this Panthers team, you know, after they got the game seven win, which I think was a very smart move by the coach, um, uh, after they got the seven the game uh Game seven winner, they stayed in Boston that night and then flew out one game on one day's rest to Toronto to kind of stay fresh. Didn't come back home, kind of stayed in that mentality of like, hey, we're the road warriors. Teams are kind of in the south. Nobody's giving us a chance. Let's go out there and, and stay unified and stay together and go out there and make some history. And these guys did, man. Freaking Panthers, bro. Playoff hockey. I said it today in the social's three things to watch. It's, it's the best thing to watch, man. They're, it's they're... It's it's not easy, bro. What those guys do, just like physically and, and on the ice. And then on top of that, you're asking these guys to stay on the road after a grueling series, a seven-game series. And and then they pull out that game one victory, man. I mean, that's that tells you something about this this Hell team yeah. guy here. So a lot to be excited for. Looking forward to game two. Game two is going to be amazing, man. Like I said, Thursday, 7 o'clock, and then you have game three back at home, uh, 6.30 p.m., puck drops there. And uh, a little interesting side note on that one as well. I, I read today that the Panthers are restricting uh, sales to the games to only U.S. citizens. So, sorry, Toronto. 
No love lost, but we got to make sure that we keep that home court advantage or home ice advantage here. For Go do sure. something else. Go do something else. Figure it out. Watch on TV. And uh, we'll see you guys back in Toronto for sure. <laughs> That's going to be great, man. That's going to be great. Um, you know, I, I think it's time that we, we really start to show the Marlins a lot of love, man. A lot of love. They're they're coming off a big sweep against the the Chicago Cubs at home. Um, win that series with some impressive offensive victories. Right, you got the three to two win in a close game. You got a big win against uh, seven to six, and then another win four to three. Just going out there and, and winning these games that you know previous seasons we've seen the Marlins lose, right? Because either the bullpen can't hold it down, um, you know, we give up four runs in a bad inning where we have an error, and then all of a sudden everything unravels. But for some reason, man, this Marlins team really finds ways to to stay competitive. And I don't know about you, man, but I wasn't expecting that from this Marlins team this season, man. Uh, I mean, we, I guess we were, you know, we were always expecting our team to do better than the previous year. And last year was kind of abysmal. It wasn't great. You know, we didn't have the greatest season, even though Sandy had a, uh, you know, a a Cy Young, um, type season or whatnot, but we're playing a lot better this year, man. There's a lot, there's a lot of buzz around this baseball team right now, man. I don't know if it was a change in, in manager, you know, we don't no longer have Mattingly. Um, so, you know, What's a what's our manager Schumacher? Schumacher, um, you know Schumacher's doing some good things in there with with this group, and you know you have guy like Luis Arias, who's every time we talk about the Marlins right now, we're going to talk about him as he's our hottest bat right now for the Marlins, which is reassuring. Hottest um, bat in the MLB, bro. Period. Yeah. No. Like, in my opinion, I mean, listen to the stat. Players. This is a list of players with a batting average of four twenty-five or better, with five or less strikeouts in the first twenty-five games of the tw- in the last twenty-five years. Luis Arias. That's, that's it. it. That's it. That's a pretty fire stat. Dog, this but, guy. But this I just guy. don't know where he where he stacks up against the, the rest of the league right now through through all these games or whatnot. But he he's playing great for us. He's hitting. He's hitting, and and some guys can hit, and it doesn't matter. It won't reflect on the game and how how it impacts the game. He hits, and it impacts the game. They're 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 you know hits that drive and runs, and will change the the you know the game a couple runs, and and you know give us the lead now. So yeah. it's good. It's good. It's fun. It's fun he, to see the Martins win. Hell yeah. Right now, his 435 batting average is leading the league. Uh, he's got a 60-point uh, batting average over Matt Chapman, over Ronald Kuna Jr., Bo Bichetti, Brandon Marsh. All these guys are big names, you know, and big bats. And, you know, for a guy who just won an NL batting title to come out here and reproduce another season like that, you and I talked about it. Like, I don't think that that would, would have been fair to expect him to do that. Um, but for him to come out here and just perform the way that he has for this Marlins team has been beyond impressive. It's been beyond impressive. And I think it's really helped settle the team down when it comes to offense, right? Because if you think about it, him him leading the batting average thing, right? It's just like, well, what about the rest of the team? Well, you still got Jorge Soler hitting home runs. You got Gary Cooper hitting RBIs. You got uh, Jazz hitting timely hits and getting on base and doing his thing as a leadoff bat. Um, he's not too far behind because he has five home runs as well, 13 RBIs. Didn't somebody have an inside the park home run recently? Uh, I think it was Brian De La Cruz. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was him. 
That's impressive. I don't you don't know how often it's, you it's see not it easy. It's park. not easy. It's not, it's not easy, man. Um, but the Martins are staying competitive. You know, they're staying competitive, and that's all we wanted from them. Go out there, win series, stay above five hundred. Right now, they're sixteen and fourteen after today's loss, six zero loss to the to the Braves. Um, which which kind of sucked, man, because Sandy Alcantara just just got racked up today, and and it's kind of you know when we talked to to Puello, he kind of gave us the nod that you know Sandy will come around and and this and that, but I don't know, man. I feel like Sandy has to kind of wake up a little bit and and get his stuff together because that's four starts right now that that he's had or five starts that he's had right now, and he hasn't been looking impressive. Just one victory on the season. Uh, not not the Sandy that we were expecting. Yeah, I think after today's loss, it's definitely safe to make the headline, you know, is something wrong with Sandy Alcantara? Or, you know, or is there something to worry about there? Because he's not having the same, you know, type of season that he had last year. Last year, he was our highlight. You know, you know right. when he was on the mound, we were going to get, you know, seven solid innings and then throw it away, in, you know, in the bullpen. Yeah. Um, and this year, you know, he's he's... He's not looking at him like himself. I mean, I don't know if he's still in uh, preseason mode. Maybe he's still in spring training camp. I don't know how long these guys take to get loose, but I'm hoping, you know, I, I think a, a pitcher of his caliber can can figure it out, you know, and get, you know, he just has to get over the, this mental hurdle at this yeah. point now. Now it's just stacking up against him. It's kind of like one of those snowball effects. Yeah, he's got to find a way to shake the cobwebs, man, and, and get back to his dominant self because uh, I, I really like the way the bullpen has been performing. Uh, we talked about A.J. Puck last time and how he's leading the team in saves. He has five now on the season. He's also leading the team in wins, um, along with Andrew Nardi, who has two wins, both are relief pitchers. Uh, these are guys that when the game is getting close, they're able to keep the game shut down for the opposition and keep them without scoring runs to allow the Marlins to get, you know, a, a game hit, a leading win, uh, hit in the seventh inning or in the eighth inning or something like that, and then go out there and shut it down in the ninth and get the victory. This is, I feel like that's the little difference that we didn't have with the Marlins last year. It felt like if it was a close game and it got to the bullpen, the bullpen was going to definitely throw it up. Uh, now in this short season, right, that we've had so far, the Marlins have really seem to fix those problems and if they if they can fix those problems for the long term right being the rest of the season then i i feel much more confident in in having sandy come around and having lozardo continue to be a great pitcher and having uh edward cabrera do his thing and, and be a good third type of starter for us and then trying to get the good performance every now and then from guys like t-raw and and Bar braxton gary this this team is going to be very interesting to follow this season for sure because uh, they have the pieces. It's, yeah, it's, I, it's evident. They have the pieces. We do. We do. We definitely got to get out to a game soon. It's definitely yeah. you know, a bit more more worth than it has been in the last couple of seasons to, to go watch a game, in my opinion. The product is looking a lot better. But um, even all things aside, you know, as far as, as how we're performing on, on our end, we know our division is tough. And I know I just recently saw a snapshot I know I think we're like in third or fourth place. I know the Phillies are behind us, but they're getting Bryce Harper back. The Mets are ahead of us. Talk to me a little bit about that. How's the how's the rest of the league looking right now in our division? Well, right now the Marlins are third in the NL standings, uh, NL East standings, which is just fine in my opinion, right? Because again, you're talking about two other teams that are ahead of us in Atlanta and the, and the, and the Mets that have heavily invested in their squads. And it's not necessarily that they're miles ahead of us, right? We're only half a game behind the Mets. Uh, um, who are three and a half games behind the Braves. 
we're right on on pace there with the Phillies, right? They're they're struggling to be at 500. Washington seems to be the worst team in in the division right now. And when you stack it up against the entire league, right, or at least the the entire conference, right, between National League and and the American League, the Marlins are right there. They're right there in the mix with the rest of the teams, right? We're you're talking about teams like the Dodgers, Arizona, the Padres, the Cubs, Philly, the Giants, and all these teams are are definitely more stacked up, quote unquote, when it comes to talent. But like we said, the Marlins bullpen has really done a great job. It's been the difference maker this year for sure to keep the the games close and winnable. And when we have that opportunity, the Marlins have done a good job of getting those wins. That's kind of going to have to be the recipe for the season. Not necessarily to make the playoffs outright, but to give yourself a shot to make a wild card, right? And be in that hunt and put a lot of pressure and be competitive and put pressure on the Braves and the Mets to keep winning, right? And and let those guys beat each other up and then maybe we can sneak into that second spot. Who knows? The, The... the Marlins, like I said, they have the pieces. They definitely have the talent. The lineup looks like it's starting to get there. The manager has been doing a, a real good job of, uh, you know, holding players accountable, putting together good lineups, keeping guys well rested. Um, we're not depending on just one guy, even though Arias is having a, a, an amazing season. We're not just depending on him, right? Jazz is having a great season. Garrett Cooper's having a great season so far. Those guys can definitely contribute to what it is that the Marlins need in order to have a successful season. doesn't necessarily have to be a playoff appearance. We would love that, right? But just be a, a competitive team, put the pressure on the rest of these big budget teams and make it fun for us, man. Make it fun for the Marlins fans to go out there and watch games and shit and go to the stadium and have that big Cubano, man. I don't know if you've seen that sandwich. It's like eight I, feet I long, dog. I saw it, bro. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. And you I need want a fam- it. You need a family of 12 to finish that thing. Dog. Or just me and maybe two of my friends, depending on the night of the week that it is. Throw um, me in there. After a couple of beers, throw <laughs> me in there. You never know, dog. But tomorrow's game or today's game, as, as you're hearing this, um, against the Braves' second game in the series, is going to be an interesting one to see how we bounce back, you know, how we answer. You know, we just got our, our teeth kicked in 6-0, you know, yesterday. So, you know, how do we how do we respond to that? And, yeah. you know, especially against an opponent like like the Braves. So this is going to be an interesting game here. For sure. We got a good pitcher on the mound, Braxton Garrett, le- nasty left-hander. Um, he's 1-0 on the season, 2.45 ERA. Uh, he has 19 strikeouts on the season, um, only giving up one home run. A guy who's eating a lot of innings, 22 so far. This is a guy who can be reliable and can take you to six, seventh innings if he's if he's doing well. I want to see how this team responds to a loss and bounces back. Martins have been pretty good at home, 10 and 7 so far. That means that they can improve on the road, but you always want to be better at home for sure, right? I think that that little boost is going to definitely help, and the Marlins can continue to get these these series wins, right? We're we're talking about a team that barely won any series last year, and this year they've already won, I think, five um, against tough, tough competition. Did did we just sweep the Cubs, or did we win two out of three there? No, it was a complete sweep, bro. Complete Complete sweep sweep. of the Cubs, right? Which made it four games in a row that the Marlins have won, right? Because we beat Atlanta on the the last game of of that series against them in Atlanta, and then come back home to win three straight. And then we lose this game against Atlanta again. Yeah, uh, Atlanta took three out of four a couple weeks uh, last week. On a, they're so. a great team. They're a great yeah, team. We always, hate them, they always got our number. Always got our number. 
Right. We hate them, but they're a great team. And that's why we want to compete with them, right? To see if we can stick to that level or, or reach that level or exceed it. Um, right. Yeah, let's see, man. This Marlins team is going to be interesting without a doubt. Uh, like I said earlier, they have the they have the pieces in place right now. We just kind of need to, you know, have our starter pitcher be the guy for us a little bit more. And then we can go off from there. Uh, after this series at home against Atlanta, which ends on Thursday, we're heading up to Chicago Cubs uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Start another series before we head to Arizona for another three and then come back home against Cincinnati. If if the Martins, like I said, man, I, I'm going to keep repeating this a lot, guys. The Martins have to continue to win series. They've already won one, two, three, four, five, six, six series so far this season. That's a recipe for success, especially for this Martins team that is low budget, uh, is being put together with bits and pieces. And then once those bits and pieces are finding their, their niche in the team, it's excelling. So we have to be excited for this Martins team. Have to be. Let's uh, wrap up with the Dolphins, dog. Let's wrap up with the Dolphins. We had the draft this past mm. weekend. Um, we saw the Dolphins make some interesting draft choices, right? Um, I want to get your thoughts first on the on the draft picks. What did you think about the picks that we had? Uh, questionable, man. Immediate thoughts was questionable. You know, we, we only had a few picks, as, as we talked about in our, our preview with Martin uh, last week. And, you know, we we knew what we wanted going in as fans, um, what, what we, we thought, the you know, the Dolphins should be looking out for. And I, I don't know all the players that are there and, and as far as, you know, what the value is and, and right. what, you, you know, what you're actually getting and all that. But just, just immediately, you know, they were just questionable. You know, the, the, our first pick in the draft, the second rounder, um, Cam Smith, the corner from South Carolina. I, I that think one that, I was okay with. That was the one that I was, I was cool with. I saw that and I was like, that's good. That's a good compliment to the rest of the guys that we have back there. And he can develop under, you know, like Ramsey and stuff like that. And, and it he looks like well a, with that scheme. He looks like a dog. You know what I mean? Like one of those Bass. gritty badass players, you know, doesn't really care about getting penalties if, if, if he's going to shake the team up or, you know, make the quarterback go to the other side. And for for this team that was seriously slacking in that department as far as depth goes, I feel like us addressing that with a, a player of his caliber definitely fit the mode. You know what I mean? And um, I was cool with that, man. But then the next few picks after that were a little questionable. We ended up drafting a, another receiver and another running back with the, the next two picks that we had. Yeah, we got um, the – well, not a receiver. We drafted the running back first, and then we got the tight end. Oh, tight end. And what was the, what was the last pick that we got? The last pick was an uh, offensive tackle. Um, I, I feel like this is just a guy for the future. Uh, R- Ryan Hayes from Michigan, uh, a very good college guard, right? One of those guys that really plays well while he's in college, but he doesn't meet the quote unquote standards for, for an offensive tackle. They say he has short arms and, you know, doesn't necessarily have the strength. But if, if you can start for a big name program like Michigan for three years and do your job, right? Then I'm, I'm guessing that you can do your job in the NFL. Um, you know, he played on the best offensive line in college last year, and now he gets to, you know, learn behind Ron Armstead, the ins and outs, right? Um, we saw that this team had a lot of injuries on the offensive line last year, so I feel like there's never a bad move to get more offensive tackles, especially for this team uh, and the type of quarterback that we have. I just felt like, you know, they addressed all the pieces that that we had talked about. You know, they they pick up that running back who's a pass catching running back, Devin Anche, a chain. Um, 
you know, and, and he's a speedster. This is a guy who can out of Texas A and M. Yeah, out of Texas A and M had one of the fastest forty times in in the in the combine. Um, and this is a guy who's gonna be able to compete with a guy like Ahmed. Who's gonna be able to compete with a guy like Gaskins? Who's gonna be able to compete with these guys to to steal some playing time? And if anybody gets hurt, like I said, we needed more depth in a position like that because if Moster was out or if um, Wilson was out, then then you kind of saw a little bit of a, a big drop off there you know as far as talent and explosiveness goes now you have a young running back who has no wear and tear on him can can really start between um you know from the, the day one he may not start but he can right i just feel like the dolphins did a good job in those first two picks because the other two picks were kind of like hopeful picks right you needed to address running back you needed to address tight end you needed to address cornerbacks those were the areas that we had a lot of trouble in at last year and you know when you only have four picks and they're second round and beyond it makes it hard to hit home runs or hit doubles even but it feels like the dolphins at least had their eyes on the prize let's say and say let's address these needs that that kind of killed us last year when we needed to be better or could have made a difference in in a game or two right and and having an extra game and possibly having a better playoff standing I I wouldn't give these guys a A or a B, but if you address all the needs, you're getting a C plus in my book, B minus in my book. Why do you think uh, all the major platforms like uh, ESPN and stuff gave the Dolphins a D or or a C or whatnot? You know, even worse than that. Probably because we didn't go after guys who, like you said earlier, that were probably higher rated at that time of the pick. But in my opinion, you kind of have to. With, especially with what we've seen with Chris Gear, right? He he's been hit or miss, but lately he's been on fire in every in the draft. So if he feels good and confident about some of these players, then I kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know if those bigger platforms like ESPN, Sports Illustrated, and NFL.com are are giving him the benefit of the doubt of, of knowing how to find talent when you don't have a lot of room to find talent. Uh, it's not to say that the guys that we drafted don't have talent. I think uh, Cam Smith is a hell of a cornerback. I think he's going to be a big time player for us. Uh, and um, you never know what you get out of running backs, right? And usually the, the raw running backs come in the third round or, or further. A lot of those guys that get taken in the first round either break down or don't live up to the draft pick hype or whatever. But the guys who, who tend to stand out are those third, fourth round guys who kind of have a little bit more to play for, right? They have that... Sure that that dog in them and they got they have that energy to kind of go out there and prove somebody wrong about not being picked earlier um those that, that's why i feel heavily about those first two picks being really good picks for the dolphins uh the tight end is a pretty much a roll of the dice right he's either going to be a really good tight end for us or he's going to be another tight end that doesn't do anything for us the offensive tackle ryan haves i, I think that he's going to be the key even though he's a seventh rounder like i said he played on a very good offensive line he's a very smart kid he, three-year starter at Michigan. This is a kid who's going to be able to come in if needed and fill in part-time or either full-time immediately for the Dolphins because of his experience. And when you're getting coached by a guy who was in the NFL in Harbaugh, you you know you're blocking. You know your assignments. You know how to how to read the playbook. You know how to get into position because running the ball is an important thing in the Harbaugh schemes, uh, as we've seen in the NFL and in college. Um and I think it's going to work for him. So I think the the Dolphins did really get a steal there because he's not one for this year. In case we need him, we can. But this is a guy who can future in the future possibly be a big role guy for us, man. 
you know, because you want to get younger at, at that position. If history repeats itself with this Dolphins team, we're going to see him at some point playing. <laughs> Damn, dog, no faith in the offensive line holding I up. I mean, there's going to be injuries, bro. It's a long season. So it's part of football. It's part we're of We're going to see him at some point. For sure. For sure. We're going to see him at some point. So, yeah, I, I kind of feel good about this Dolphins draft. Um, we still have moves to make in the offseason, right? We, we don't know who's going to get cut. Uh, there's a lot of talk around Dalvin Cook being available and being traded and whatnot. Um, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm excited for the season because of the potential and knowing how far this team got last year and how much further they could have gone had they played a little bit better. So I'm expecting to see that this year from this Dolphins team. I know you are, too. Oh, man. High, high expectations, but everything they do, it comes with a big splash, no pun intended, and we're looking forward to it. You know, we just love to see all the moves that they're making and can't wait, man. All the hype is real. For sure, for sure. I can't wait to do another OnlyFans season preview. is coming up. If you guys haven't already, you guys have to go to our YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, because OnlyFans last year was a hit, and this season being a better season for the Dolphins means it's going to be a better season for only fans. So make sure to get in right now, hit that subscribe button and uh, follow along with all the rest of the content that we're pumping out there for you guys. Um, Doggy is getting kind of late, man. We're going to, you know, we got a lot of work to do on the post game. That time, dog. It's, it's about, about that time. It's about that time that we tell people to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell one more friend, to tell all their friends, to tell all of their friends about this amazing podcast and the talent and the stuff that we bring you bunch of content, not only on Instagram, not only on YouTube, but also here through whatever it is that we got. Until next time, y'all. It's your boy. Peace. Peace. <laughs>